Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-hosts Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, we were trying to connect today with uh, Congressman Bobby Scott, Congressman Emanuel Cleaver. Uh, they are busy. Uh, they're voting right now, and we don't know if we're going to hear from them, but we have a lot on our plate uh, in Seattle and Martin Luther King County in the state of Washington. We're also anticipating a call from former state representative attorney Jesse Wineberry Sr., who was one of the leaders in the I-1000 campaign. And uh, uh, Governor Jay Inslee has issued a statement on Referendum 88 indicating that it did not have the, the, the votes to pass. But uh, Hayward Evans and I, uh, with the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition, McKinney Coalition, <clears throat> have been doing quite a bit of work to make sure that uh, we do better than what we're doing uh, with public contracting. And we also, I've recommended to some folks that they've had this system set up where the minorities are the subcontractors working for a large firm, and that counts towards the goal. Well, wake up and smell the coffee. After 40 years, none of those subcontractors are still in business or didn't do well at all. And if uh, African descendants of the United States enslaved are really going to get uh, their opportunities, then the public agencies must contract directly with our businesses, not having us going through a a concept, a system that has not worked in 40 years, and just because it's predominantly rich white males that are, are controlling the industry, uh, we are tired of being subjected uh, to second-class treatment, and uh, that's how we lost an entire community, the central area of Seattle, and all those black-owned businesses because we've had this kind of discrimination in 20 years of no affirmative action and look like it's going to be 20 years more, but we know that we have uh, had all the studies, the disparity studies have been done, and Hayward, the disparity studies are supposed to be, meet the court muster to ensure that we can participate like we were doing so poorly. Uh, actually, the city, county, state, the port, Sound Transit could actually establish, and the school district, a set-aside program for African descendants of the United States enslaved because we're doing that poor discrimination is there. It's been proven over and over again, but nothing is happening. Eddie, I'm glad you said that. We're talking about federally approved disparity studies under federal guidelines. All of them, every study that's been conducted in the state has shown right now discrimination is rampant. But I'm thinking about what Councilman Gossett, I think we had him on maybe two weeks ago, and he said in 1999 we had over 300 African-Americans entering the University of Washington as freshmen, or excuse me, 1998. 1999, that number dropped to 82 after I-200 was implemented. And that's basketball and football players? And that's who it is. Come on. Come on, you listeners. Making sure they uh, make all the money for the University of Washington. Don't let our students in, and don't pay those those kids for playing, and all that needs to stop. Uh, the University of Washington and those other institutions should be shaming themselves. They should be investing in our community. They should have our students in the in the classrooms. They should have a percentage of the faculties and administrators, a percentage of the contracts, because we know that uh, Dr. Constance Rice and Joanne Harrell are on the Board of Regents. Right. And Hayward, I think it's time for us to make another appearance uh, out at the Board of Regents to see, because at one time the president was getting geared up to implement I-1000, which is the right thing to do. Uh, do we have Jesse Weinberry on the line? Yes, Eddie, I'm here. Okay, hey, whatever. Hey, my friend. Okay, so uh, you're up in Whatcom County. Uh, 
Uh, you know, I read uh, that we uh, mentioned uh, Governor Inslee's statement on his concessions of, of uh, I-1000. And I was wondering if you up in Whatcom County, you must be up to something uh, towards getting some justice. So can you share with our listeners what's going on in Whatcom County this Thursday afternoon at uh, seven minutes after two? Well, first of all, uh, the governor uh, in the Constitution is not allowed to even sign an initiative once it becomes law. Uh, we appreciate the governor's support and his endorsement, and especially the fact that he included I-1000 in his state of the state address, but he does not uh, concede for the campaign. Uh, the good news is that the nothing will be certified uh, on this election until at the county level, November 26, and at the governor level, not till early December. So we are up here in Whatcom County making sure every last vote is counted. Uh, we're leading in Whatcom County, and we're only behind statewide by less than 1%. And so uh, we still have a lot of balance to count, uh, I think over 30,000. And as I said, uh, this race is not over. Uh, tell all your listeners, nothing is over till the last ballot is counted and certified, and that will not be till the end of the month. And that's why I pulled my Facebook post about conceding defeat last week, because it wasn't over. And, I mean, all we can do is pray at this point in time. Pray and count. Free and count and uh, make sure we have to ask some of these uh, athletes uh, at the college level to think twice before they come to these institutions to make money for them because of the fact that there's a discriminatory practice going on against their brothers and sisters up in Washington State. That's right. I mean, one of the reasons why we have not uh, had a Super Bowl is because the NFL Players Association voted years ago to not uh, play uh, a Super Bowl in Washington State because of I-200 killing affirmative action for women and people of color. Uh, our state has lost uh, uh, that. We've lost the NBA, NBA All-Star game until we fix this broken system. And so my hope is that uh, uh, just as I-1000 has been a campaign of miracles in terms of getting the signatures, in terms of getting the support of the legislature, we will continue to be a campaign of a final miracle when these final votes come in. Now, we appreciate everything that you're doing, but I guess my question is going to go back. There was a Washington State federally approved disparity study and that it showed that discrimination is rampant across the state of Washington. How does that impact the outcome of I-1000 and us getting those signatures uh, uh, counted? Well, number one, it's those, and thank you for that question, Hayward, and thank you for your work on, on I-1000 as well, but it's those disparity studies that are the cornerstones. They are the foundation of I-1000. Without those disparity studies making the case uh, unequivocally, irrefutably, that discrimination is running rampant in uh, uh, transportation and all of our state agencies when it comes to hiring, in our, in our colleges and universities when it comes to their contracting and hiring and also admissions, uh, as well as documenting the $3.5 billion that women and minority businesses have been denied unfairly over 21 years, uh, we wouldn't have an I-1000. I, I mean, those, those uh, disparity studies can, were convincing enough to the people who signed the initiative that we got more signatures than any other initiative to the legislature, and more convincing to the legislature, and that's why it passed not only in the House and Senate. 
So you said 13,000 votes short, that's statewide. What percentage of the voter? We had 99.9%. What percentage of the voters been actually counted? Well, first of all, no. I'm and and what about, that what, what about uh, the military votes? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, first of all, to, to take each of your uh, sections uh, uh, sequentially, first of all, there are over 31,000 votes that have not been counted. And so that's why we are still going from county to county, making sure they are counting all of our ballots. Number two, in terms of the margin that we are uh, uh, away from victory, it's less than 1%. Uh, what does that uh, compute to in terms of numbers of votes? Roughly 18,000 votes out of 1.8 million cast. So now does the governor still have the authority to go ahead and enact the policies or the recommendations under the disparity study that, that somewhat parallel I-1000's initiative? That's a good question, and the answer is no. As long as I-200 remains the law in the state, nothing can be done, even with disparity studies that prove without a doubt that there is discrimination going on. Uh, against uh, African Americans, Native Americans, Hispanics, Asian Americans, people, all people of color, and obviously uh, all women, even with that, that documented and staring us in the face, until we change the law, we may as well be in uh, uh, Alabama or Mississippi because or Washington we will... State. <laughs> Pardon me. Or Washington, Washington State. <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah, doing, they're doing a, blacks are doing a lot more business in Mississippi and Alabama than we are in Washington yeah. State. Yeah. Well, that's why I said we may as well be down there because we'll get more opportunity exactly. Exactly. because they they have affirmative action. And it's, and it's sad to say, but uh, what we are seeing uh, with this, the passage uh, of, of I-976 and the slow passage, I'm going to say the delayed passage of I-1000, I'm still optimistic that we will pass this. Uh, it is It is very much... Uh, a, a state that, unfortunately, is more red than blue. Yeah. You know, and what gets me, Jesse, now, so the governor and the legislature, are their hands tied, or is there anything that they can do? We can go to federal court if the discrimination is illegal. Yeah. Discrimination yeah. is illegal. Right, but, yeah, but, but exactly. You can, you can go to court and, and, uh, and, and, again, make the case and use those disparity studies to make the case. But uh, one thing is certain, when you ask about what can the legislature do, what can the governor do, they've shown you what they can do over the last 20 years since the passage of I-200. And that is nothing if not incremental steps uh, to do studies that show the racism and sexism and other uh, levels of discrimination that still exist in this state. So uh, in terms of your next move... Uh, you just went to counting the votes or what? It's all, it, I mean, uh, a reporter asked me a, a week or so ago, he said, if I were to write a book on, on this uh, experience, what would it be entitled? And I told him, uh, after thinking about it, I said, money and votes. And he said, well, what does that mean? I said, well, that's what it all comes down to. you got to raise the money to get the votes, then you got to go get the votes to, 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 to earn the money. And so uh, that's what it's down to now, Eddie. The, the people have done their part. They have cast their ballots. It's now our job to make sure those ballots that they cast are counted. And that's why it takes going to every single county, looking over their shoulder, 
monitoring this process to make sure that every vote is counted and we are not going to declare victory or defeat until that happens. You know, just what got me, though, deception, confusion on the part of the other campaign and what they were able to put together. I had five or six votes or, or people calling me mm-hmm. to say, hey, we're, I, I'm trying to read this ballot. They're reading it over and over again. And yet they're saying, how should I vote? To me, it was deceptive. The whole presentation, it was not clear to the community. Have you been getting that kind of feedback or what have you heard about that whole ballot and, and the people trying to read it? Well, I've heard that the that the uh, opposing campaign certainly used deception in 2019, just like they used deception mm-hmm. in 1998 to get I-200 passed in the first place. You mean the what Washington we, State Civil Rights Act? <laughs> yeah, calling it yeah, the, yeah. the Washington State Civil yeah. Rights uh, Initiative. Yeah, uh, and using Dr. King's image and his voice and his and his uh, words to convince people they were doing the right thing. We at least blocked them on that this year by getting the endorsement of uh, Martin Luther King III, Dr. King's son, who was very helpful in making sure that his, that, that I, that, well, he made sure to the public that I-1000 reflected his father's principles, and if his father were alive today, he would have endorsed I-1000. So that kept them from misusing Dr. King's message, but they are going to use every trick in the book. And uh, you need to know that as we walk the halls of these election offices, they are there walking them too. And so they, they, ha- they, have, not <laughs> they yeah. have not given up. And they, when they see us, they know that we have not given up either. Okay, Jesse, well, you're Jesse, talking about Chinese immigrants. I mean, come on. Do the people really see who's sitting down there, who's opposing this legislation? And why hasn't that come out on the local news? Well, uh, we all know that uh, many of the people who are working uh, against this are not from the United States of America, and uh, I, I hope it doesn't come to this, but uh, if there is a law in Washington State that if you are less than 2,000 votes away from victory and less than half of a percentage point, uh, it goes to a mandatory vote count. And at that point, everything is on the table, including the uh, the uh, uh, the method that uh, we have in the courts to require the verification of U.S. citizens in terms of voting in this election. Well, Jesse, we're out of time. To- we're out of time today. We have to follow up next week. Thank you. So thank All you right. for the update, and everybody stay vigilant. And I guess you can put a call out there if you want people to walk election halls in other counties. So thank you very much for all your work, brother. Appreciate you. No, thank uh, both of you. Okay, then, Jesse Weinberry, senior, former state representative and one of the leaders of the I-1000 campaign. Our next guest is uh, Jesse Hayes, number four, who is the brains behind uh, the Red Hawks, Red Tail Hawks Flying Club that's engaging young people in the STEM program and also uh, teaching them how to, to fly. And Jesse's on a mission to buy their own planes. Amen. So they don't have to go and stand in line and get looked at funny by people that own the planes. So, Jesse, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. So why don't you set the stage for us and make our listeners aware of what the Red Tail Hawks Flying Club is about, and then we'll go to your event. Well, Outstanding. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, and uh, so I am the president of the Red Tail Hawks. Um, I've been blessed with uh, being elected for the last uh, three terms, so uh, six, six years we've been at it, and 
not a year ago, but six years ago in uh, 2013 in November, uh, with with two students. And today, we have touched the lives of over 3,000 students, and we're pretty excited about that. We're having a little problem with your reception, Jesse. Is can you move around a little bit or something? Go tell, ahead. Tell okay. Me when I'm okay. Okay, you're good. You're good. All right. So, so yeah. So, so, so six years ago we started with two students, and 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 uh, and today we have touched the lives of over three thousand students. Uh, we have a year-round program uh, we call our Red to Hawk program, where we uh, introduce kids to aviation history and pilot knowledge every month. Uh, we have two uh, flight training programs. We have an opportunity for, for two aviation uh, camps uh, during the summer for those who have, haven't had any explosions. They just want to see what it's like. Um, and uh, we've just been busy going, getting, getting into uh, the schools, the career fairs, the work with the Museum of Flight and, and the events that they're having, the Port of Seattle and others, and just trying to. Uh, and, 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 of course, the, uh, the Boys and Girls Club is, is another that's been uh, very helpful in helping us not been exposed to uh, the aviation industry. And, and I use that word exposed intentionally because uh, this isn't about interest. This is about exposure when we, when we meet it, meet it because most of the time, especially black, black kids, they just haven't had the opportunity to Thanks. be exposed to what it's like to be in an airplane, to actually fly one, to um, uh, understand what engineers do, understand what pilots do, understand what the technicians do. And so by that exposure and using aviation as a vehicle to enhance the STEM that they're learning in school, we hope to inspire them towards the aviation industry and open their eyes to opportunities that they may not have known about otherwise. Now, Jesse, I, I love what you're saying because, again, for our community, it's a question of exposure. Now, is, is considering where Boeing is at right now, are they partnering with you, or is Boeing helping you? Are the kids having an opportunity to see some of the simulators, or maybe even get in them? Uh, so, so absolutely, we we partner uh, uh, with uh, Boeing Company, with uh, with with uh, Blue Origin, with Alaska Airlines, um, with, with uh, our military bases. Uh, our kids every month get the opportunity to travel around the town. Uh, and and uh, get exposed to different aspects of the aviation industry. That is that is the hallmark of our program. Because every month we're doing something different. In fact, last month we went to Microsoft, and Microsoft uh, opened their eyes to uh, what artificial intelligence is, uh, is and, uh, and how it's being applied to the aviation industry. So, pretty, pretty awesome. And in order to support the activities now, give uh, our listeners an idea of what is required of the young students who are involved in the Red Tail Hawks Flying Club. So the things that are required, well, number one, um, we, we, we give them an opportunity to make a choice, actually, you know, what their level of a commitment is. And we give them a commitment letter, and they have basically four choices. They, they decide that, hey, we just want to come one time, get exposure, it was fun, but we're done, and, and that's okay. The, the, the next opportunity they have is to become a member and just be exposed, right? And so every month we do 
of that exposure I talked about. The third one is, is hey, you know what? I, I really want to gain some pilot knowledge. So we give them curriculum, we give them a mentor, and, and we uh, uh, coach them through um, a 17 chapters of, of pilot knowledge that uh, uh, gives them exposure to all different aspects of aviation and, and, and start to prepare them to learn to fly if they choose want to. And then, of course, the last one is, is hey, I actually want to learn to fly. And if they, if they decide that they want to learn to fly, then that curriculum is no longer self-paced and, and optional. It, it's a requirement if they decide that, uh, you know, they want to fly and if they want money from us. So we don't give money away. It's not charity. The, our, uh, the, money, the money that we get to the kids to learn to fly is earned. Because quite frankly, we, we believe that if they are not disciplined enough to do the work, then they aren't disciplined enough to, to learn to fly. You know, Jesse, I love um, that. So if a young person... They're, 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 they're low income, very, very low income. And their family, you know, they're just getting by. Now, if that young person came there and signed up, is it possible for them to go all the way through the program without really putting, putting out any personal money out of pocket to reach their goal to be a pilot? It is, cer- it is certainly uh, possible, <clears throat> depending, depending on, the, on the level of work and, and effort that they put into it. And, and of course, we, we, we can't be all things to all people, but, but we do uh, give uh, very large scholarships to students that, that, will, uh, that, that, will, that will put them on the way to getting a private pilot uh, license. And then, and then we also uh, raise money so that we can help uh, fund uh, a portion of uh, the training that's required to uh, get to instructor into commercial uh, so that they can actually earn a living. Uh, flying airplane, and so that 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 is re- really really our our goal. And earlier you mentioned about the one that an airplane. Well, well, you know, right now we, we are dependent on rent, renting airplanes, but with the ownership of airplanes, we'll be able to generate even more more income with with with, the, with those airplanes and expand a program so that we can uh, help students even further. So now, how, how can the community support you? So you're you're buying an aircraft now, is that correct? So so we are we are uh, uh, I guess officially on the 23rd of November we're going to kick off our uh, capital campaign for for uh, for buying airplanes. Uh, so so maybe today is actually a launch since we're talking about it. But uh, but uh, but we we uh, are going uh, going to. Going to uh, be asking the community to, to help us get in a position so that we can uh, buy two airplanes now and then, then down the road uh, a couple of years, buy two more. And, and, and the goal is within the next uh, four years to have at least four airplanes in, in the inventory. Jesse, before, before we go, I want to make sure that you give a website address for people that might want to make a, a contribution. Absolutely. Right, right now, we, we want you to go to... Uh, www.bpapilot.org slash chapter hyphen event. So, and and that's uh, BPA as in Black Pilots of America, uh, and then pilot, the way it's normally spelled, dot org. And then if you go to the chapter event page, 
uh, you can find out all the information about the uh, Future Thrust Awards, which is coming up on the 23rd of November, and that is the ideal spot to go ahead okay. and make a and okay, we'll, we'll, and that's going to be a written technical. Yeah, we'll we'll shout that again next week. So, uh, th- thanks a lot, Jesse. Keep up the good work. Thank we'll you. see if we are getting Roland on next week too. Roland Bradley, one of your board members. Oh, absolutely. Sounds okay, great. thanks, Jesse. We appreciate you. All right. All, all right. Our next guest is Jay Paul Blake, who's been on hold. <laughs> the two twenty three didn't exactly work, brother. But <laughs> welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, Jay Paul is uh, the PR guy for the. Black Heritage Society of Washington State, and they have a number of events coming up. They put out a good newsletter, but most of the stuff I saw has passed already. So bring us up to date, Jay Paul Blake, on what's going on. Okay, Eddie, good afternoon, and thanks. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, anyway, we'll, uh, we, as you said, we have a lot of things going on, and uh, we could take the rest of the hour, but uh, I'll try to be quick because uh, I, I hope we can um, – uh, share what uh, we have for your listeners. You mentioned uh, maybe earlier our upcoming general membership and friends meeting, which is happening this Saturday, uh, November 16th from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Central Area Senior Center. And as I'm sure most of your listeners know, the center is located at 530th Avenue South. And again, that's our general membership and friends meeting. It's open to the public. And we have a lot of exciting news to share at that meeting. Uh, including the fact that we'll have a tribute to Douglas Barnett, the local mm. pioneer of African-American theater who died on November, October 22nd. Yeah. Uh, Kabibi Moni, uh, the founder and president of the New Black Arts West, uh, has agreed to prepare a few words to acknowledge Doug for his ex- historic work in promoting theater arts in the Seattle area. And she's preparing a special performance Doug Barnett himself was a wonderful friend to BHS, and we want to recognize his years of passionate uh, support, both as a member and a history keeper. Another exciting development, uh, BHS is working on a revision of the book Tribute, Seattle Public Places Named for Black People. Mm. The book was originally published in 1997 uh, by uh, Mary Henry um, and the revision is being worked on uh, with Mary, uh, including uh, writing expertise by Georgia McDade, who leads the African-American Writers Alliance. And, of course, the project is getting support from the Black Heritage Society. Um, we hope that this uh, book and uh, guide will be available by late uh, next year, 2020. Uh, BHS has formed a partnership. We're excited about with uh, Africa Town Media to provide content for Africa Town blog uh, for hashtag TBT History Moment, and that information is uh, being shared across uh, social media platforms, including uh, Facebook, Instagram, and and Twitter. And uh, people can look for a history piece every Thursday at uh, at Africa Town Media. We're also working on another project with Africa Town Media to provide support for our current agreement with the Washington Trust for Historic Preservation to complete an online heritage tour for African-American sites in King County. And um, one of the sites included on that tour is MLK Jr. Memorial Park, where we will share the story of renaming King County as well as the struggle to rename Empire Way to MLK Jr. Way. 
to historic development. So I know you'll be interested in following developments with that uh, uh, relationship. Uh, and uh, again, on behalf of uh, citizens of Seattle, want to thank mm-hmm. you and King County for for that work that you were so uh, important in making happen. Yeah, and the civil uh, right, the clergy, and the civil rights coalition too. Right. So I want to make sure that and, and the park's name is the Washington, uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. Civil Rights Memorial Park. Now that a name has been officially changed to acknowledge uh, the local people in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And the civil rights right. coalition will be uh, also inducting uh, some pioneers, yeah. some primarily who are deceased now, who played a major role in civil rights. Uh, so we definitely are not going to remember our history and make sure those people are honored as well. Yeah, that's that's terrific. We're working uh, to form a team that will gain a skill uh, that will enable them to create what we call significant statements and the appropriate guidance to present landmark nominations before the local landmarks board. Uh, this is an opportunity that is uh, being managed by uh, BHS with support from uh, King County uh, for Culture. And as we know, uh, Black History Month is not too far down the road. Uh, we're working already on projects related to Black History Month, including a, uh, something with the Museum of History and Industry, Mohai, who is our partner. We're going to present a program that highlights the achievement of women in politics while giving a nod to the history of the 19th Amendment and black women in Washington state. We're also uh, including a teen component for that program that will support uh, a call to action and voter registration. Uh, BHS is supporting an effort with the Amazon Diversity and Inclusion Committee in collaboration with the Expression Lab to create an exhibit for the month of February uh, as part of Black History Month. And you should know that BHS is aligned with, uh, as one of seven seven national cohort organizations with the National Museum of African American History and Culture to receive uh, what they call capacity building support in the form of mentorship and educational opportunities that will help us strengthen our board uh, to uh, have a sustaining organization. And we're going to continue that relationship uh, into the next year. And finally, uh, again, we want to mention the meeting uh, uh, this Saturday, uh, November 16th, from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Central Area Senior Centers. And I invite your listeners uh, to become uh, a member of uh, BHS today. They can go online at uh, www.bhswa.org, Black History Society of Washington. Uh, uh, .org and uh, hopefully join the, the organization and uh, look forward to seeing people at the meeting this Saturday. Who are the officers of the, of the Black Washington State Black Heritage Society? Well, uh, Stephanie Johnson Tolliver is the uh, is the current uh, president, mm-hmm. and then uh, we have uh, board members including Carol uh, Peoples uh, Johnson, Carol, Carol Peoples, who is our uh, former president, and myself, um, the uh, financial management secretary, uh, Susan, uh, <laughs> now I'm not going to caught me off guard. Okay, Susan uh, but is, 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 our, is, uh, is Carol, she get married again? Yeah, or is she Carol, still <laughs> Carol Peoples Proctor? Yeah, but 
I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you there. Uh, no, you had said Carol Peoples Johnson. So I was just no, curious no, if Carol got hooked up again. Yeah. yeah, no, no. Okay, I, I was just curious. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then Susan Taylor is our recording secretary, and uh, Stephanie Spearman is our treasurer. Okay, so, so Susan Taylor, uh, does she fly in for the meetings or what? Susan Taylor? Yeah. Yeah, she comes. No, Susan lives in Tacoma now. Oh no, I'm talking about the other Susan Taylor. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, the, no, the model. Okay, yeah. well, I mean, you guys are doing a good job. Uh, I don't know exactly what my Saturday looks like, but I, yeah, I'm gonna be here. I, I think my membership is up to date. So yeah, I'm gonna swing through. I got to come through to say hi to my peeps. And, and and if I may, let me plant the seed with you. Washington State Civil Rights Coalition and the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. The state of Washington, in the rotunda, there needs to be two new statues. One to George Washington Bush, the founder of the state of Washington, and his son. Now, we, we mentioned this to you when you were down at the, the city when Eddie got that award. Uh, uh, Williams Owens Bush, who was the uh, original author and signer for Washington State University. Those were both African Americans. They need yeah. to be acknowledged in the rotunda. So we need we need you guys on board with that. Well, that's why he said that's a good reason for you to go to the meeting hey, on man, Saturday. I gotta make it. I gotta make it. <laughs> okay, yeah. AJ Paul, thanks for all your work, man. And we will well, come by to show our support. Amen. I think uh, me and Andrea's membership is up to date, so I'm gonna come and check on that too. So thank you very well, much. Well, thank you for the opportunity, and we look forward to seeing you on Saturday. All right, thank now, AJ Paul, thank all you. Right. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our next guest after this. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Before we go to Cloud, I want to let you know that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by the Port of Seattle, Sound Transit Small Business Development and Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Personal Construction Services Office, Concourse Concessions with Dave Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group LLC with First Lieutenants uh, Jerry Whitsett and Ron Rod O'Neill, and uh, Stephanie Ogle, get well, Stephanie, she's sick, Amen. but she handles our technology and our website. And don't forget, every Thursday night, LaTanya and Michelle will welcome you to Rumba Notes Lounge, and you can get some Kenyan food from the restaurant next door while you enjoy the music. Our next guest is from across the street. He is the executive <laughs> secretary of the Royal Esquire Club, uh, architect, uh, member of the McKinney Coalition. Amen. Has been successful in getting the SVI building back. And that is Clyde the Glide, Mary Clyde the Glide. I don't know how much he's gliding, but I'm here. <laughs> I seen you on the dance floor, brother. You can still get there. There you go. Uh, I'm not broken. I'm not I know broken. You're I'm not. Okay. I know you're not. So uh anyway, I'm gonna let Hayward do this interview since my name is involved in the in the, the event. So Yeah, man. You you're you're on my list. Well, now now Clyde, you have uh, the Esquire Club has an event. The Royal Esquire Club has an event coming up this Saturday. Can you share yes, with our yeah. listening audience uh, how it was formed and, and what's going to take place? Uh, well, you know, the uh, FBI Club's been around for 71 years. It's always had some kind of a form of a, a black and white ball. We pretty much uh, reestablished what that means for the last four years. And basically, it's um, 
a nice gala event. Uh, primary focus is actually fundraising for uh, scholarships for our youth. Uh, this year we'll get out $6,000 worth of scholarships and get more from next year. But it's just basically come and eat all that you can eat and a chance to honor uh, some people in the community that have, have always been there for us. We've done uh, mothers who raised us, teachers that have taught us. And this time around, we're going for more icons of the community. And uh, Eddie being one of them, uh-huh. um, uh, Denise Cookie uh, for the police department. And uh, on the music side, Clarence Acox and uh, all three of whom should actually get some public recognition and certainly from the minority community. So. Now, Denise Cookie, now if I call her Denise, she, I think she'll get upset. She likes detective. Hmm? No, yes, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm being a little too informal about it, you know, but yeah, she's uh, definitely earned her credits. Now, now for our listenership, cause you were giving us a little bit of the history of the Esquire Club, but for, mm-hmm. the, for the people who don't know, where are you located, primary mission of the Esquire Club, and, and again, go over the event for this Saturday. Okay, um, address is the 5016 Rainier Avenue South. Uh, like I said, it was established in 1948. Uh, the mission is basically to, uh, well, a couple of things. Lately, it's been uh, um, fighting cultural displacement, if you will. Uh, community used to be about 85% black, and now it's about 85% white. And we're just maintaining our uh, our presence so the culture isn't totally lost. Mm. Uh Community active, uh, not so much politically, but socially active, um, trying to support our youth and, and, uh, and actually um, give a place for people to have a good time. The club was initially established because in the uh, 40s, black folks were not allowed to uh, participate in the clubs all the time, and so that's how it got started as a men's club. Yeah, I remember my first time. It was over on Yesler Street, 14th and Washington. Washington. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the days when you had the peep on the door to make sure who was coming in the door, yeah. Right, had Max uh, Island Cafe on the corner. <laughs> yeah, there was, there's some serious memories there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, the club itself uh, has been getting younger as we go. It's it gotten known for a while as the old folks' home, <laughs> you know. But basically, right now, I'm we're... glad y'all uh, consider yourself young. Amen. Yeah, brother. <laughs> Am I young, too, Club? Yeah, we're all young, man. Everybody, every, anybody wants to walk in our doors is young. Uh, but, yeah, basically, we, um, we're just about the business of uh, trying to be a positive presence in the, in the community and, and to maintain the uh, cultural diversity. Can you give us a little history on each of the recipients or why they were chosen? Just, just a snippet. I'm not going to even bother to talk about Eddie because anybody listening to this radio show knows what it's Eddie Rye, Eddie Rye, Eddie Rye. Um, uh, the detectives got uh, anti-violence things going on, a chess club in, in the area. Yeah. She's been mm-hmm. on the uh, police department for 35 years and mm. basically just trying to maintain some civility within the minority community. And uh, Brother Clarence Acox, he uh, came up here from Southern University teaching music. Actually, he was brought up here initially to uh, reestablish the marching band at Garfield High School. And uh, since that time, he's been uh, listed as one of the 50 most influential uh, educators in music in, in the state of Washington, the Northwest. So they're all people who have actually raised a generation worth of, of mindset in the, in the minority community. Oh, man, you talk about some heavy hitters. That's absolutely fantastic. Now, now, yeah, Claude, I asked you this before. Cause, see, I'm going, my wife and I. I and, know. And I was going to wear old golden black. You know, you know this. Yeah. And I'm going to have yeah. a white shirt on. <laughs> that, that is okay, huh? 
Uh, look, I'm not going to tell anybody if you walk in the door with some gold on it, but we, the members of the Esquire Club, will all be dressed in tux and black and white. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it is primarily a black and white, but, you know, I'm also an alpha, so I'm not going to say anything about gold. <laughs> yeah, we know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be wearing any, but my heart will be in the right place. Well, and that's a good thing. So um, well, we really appreciate, and I personally appreciate, being uh, nominated and uh Accepted as one of the honorees, oh, and I want to. I will be there. I got several folks coming, including yo, my co-host and, and his wife. And Absolutely. I don't know about the other family members, but we'll have a, a few folks there. And I will. Uh, hey, we have to get there early because Clyde says Clyde said there the seating is only like four at a table. Okay, so you yeah, have to four get four at a table. We got about two hundred and fifty people coming. Yeah, um, you sell out every year, yep, don't you? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're having uh, all, all the members of the club are doing the cooking. We feed people until they can't eat anymore. Uh, music will be good. A little performance on the side. A little raffle trying to raise now, money. Now, for Clyde, don't tell me that. What are you cooking, and what is Councilmember uh, Bruce Harrell cooking? Man, City Bruce Council is... President Bruce Harrell, what's he cooking? <laughs> hey, Bruce usually brings chicken. And what's Roberto <laughs> cooking? What's, what's Bird cooking? I, He'll I bring Catfish that. Corner. That's 60 <laughs> people cooking. But for me, this time around, it's spaghetti. Uh, lots and lots of spaghetti and if you come in with uh, an aversion towards pepper, don't bother. Because <laughs> I'll have some hot sausage in mine. You have some, some hot <laughs> sausage in mine. Okay, <laughs> well, Clyde, hey, man, thanks for all you guys. We Thank appreciate you. that because I also know you do those scholarships and you, your members individually uh, make significant contributions to better, better the community. So yeah. thank you, brother, and we will see you Saturday at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock. Uh, come, well, I'll tell you what. Come, don't. Don't come too much before 6 because we're going around getting things right away. But, yeah, definitely by 6. Okay, 6 o'clock. Be there all early right. if you want to get a seat, right? Yeah, decent seat, yes. <laughs> okay. You special people already have a chair, but you want people sitting around you, have them come early. Okay, will do. Okay, Clyde right. Merriweather, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Take care. Executive Secretary for the Royal Esquire Club of Seattle. Remember that uh, the Royal Esquire Club, the late Bertram Williams, Amen. had to lead a caravan down Amen. to Olympia. Man. To get a liquor license for the Royal Esquire Club, wow. so that brother was—he was speaking out for a long time. I know his son and daughter, and they're both involved with First CME with my friend Pastor Kerry, Reverend Doctor Kerry G. Anderson. Uh, so we're gonna take a break and come back with the Songbird after this. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. We're back at Urban Forum Northwest. Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. And before we go any further, yesterday the guy behind the boards had a birthday. His name is Eric. One, two, three. Happy birthday, Eric. Happy birthday, Eric. I let Hayward sing. He's in the men's course at Mount Zion. But happy birthday, brother. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, all right. So, uh, you know, we've talked quite a bit about some remedies, and I have, uh, Hayward, have been meeting with some people, including and talking with folks, including Common, Spencer Hayward, uh, all-star supersonic forward that is now president 
of the retired NBA Players Association. And what we have to look at now is uh, young black men are generating a lot of wealth in this, mm. in this country. Amen. And uh, it's time for us to step up and make sure that the black community participates in this wealth that's being generated. Uh, last year, and I'm going to repost it, I talked to uh, Nesby Glasgow, I talked to Fred Anderson, and I've been talking to Edwin Bailey uh, about having a 10% deposit of the annual revenue in each NFL and NBA franchise going to a black-owned bank. People say, oh, their bank not big enough. Congresswoman Maxine Waters assures me she can take care of that. We also would like to have 10% of the contracts going to uh, African descendants of the United States slaves, and preferably start with the players who are just leaving that knows the culture of your team. And I think we'll do a lot better that way. Then we also have to look at the fact that there's a huge pension fund in the NBA and NFL. Uh, we need to be looking at having one-third of that pension fund deposited into the large black bank. Uh, just looking at uh, the uh, Oregon State game, you know, there are not that many black folks in Corvallis, Oregon. <laughs> But if you look at the Oregon State football team, you think you would, they had a super black community. Yep. And most of these colleges and universities are exploiting these young black men's talent. They're not getting any money. They're not letting uh, regular black students in school. You cited that earlier at the University of Washington. Oh, yeah. Before they passed I-200, uh, 388 students, uh, black students African of African descent were admitted to the University of Washington in 1999, 82. 82. And we know that's football and basketball. <laughs> but... Uh, those guys have to pay a price, too. Uh, we're going to be encouraging superstar black athletes not to come to Washington State as long as we don't have affirmative action. And I think you mentioned earlier that uh, the, uh, uh, either Jesse Weinberry mentioned that uh, the NBA uh, All-Star Game, the Super Bowl. And so we don't want any of those venues coming to this state because if you're going to be discriminated against folks and the people that you're going to be watching are African-Americans, then uh, no, we just can't do that. The other thing we need to do is that just seeing what happened with uh, I-1000 and the Chinese immigrants, as you, you were at the, at the, the, at the hearings, mm-hmm. some of them couldn't even speak English. That's right. But all they could do is deprecate and cast a bad uh, light on African Americans. Yes, Only people they, they complained about, they lived in the most affluent districts in Washington State, Mercer Island, and in Bellevue, and in Redmond. Now, after being here 400 years, why should a group that's not even citizens come in and displace uh, the aspirations of African Americans? Uh, you know, that is just totally unacceptable, and we're going to have to use the leverage that we have. The other thing we have to do is that we've been relying on traditional methods of funding and stuff. Uh, you know, in uh, Beijing and China, uh, over 600 million Chinese watch the NBA uh, every week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to agree with LeBron James uh, when, you know, there's some human rights violations going on in Hong Kong. But the human rights violations in Hong Kong, those are the same people who are denying us our rights in Washington state. So we need to have uh, uh, other folks do business with China. How come African-Americans can't? But Eddie, I'm glad you said that. Come on, a listenership. 400 years. We don't have an internationally recognized bank. Nigeria has 13. And, and uh, Representative Maxine Waters is saying, yes, we have the internal capabilities if, in fact, the Federal Reserve approves it. So with that money and the money from the NBA, the Players Association, and the pension, we're not talking about a donation. This is a deposit. 
where they're getting a return on investment. Exactly. But at the same time, we also want 10% of the contracts. When we get down to there the colleges and universities, no. Uh-uh. You're just not going to exploit black athletes to fund That's right. all the other college sports. Basketball and football supports your crew, your golf team, your tennis team, your, your lacrosse team. You know, so it, it, your baseball team, your women's football, uh, basketball team, your women's softball team, all that money is generated by the African-Americans who are playing football at, yeah. at these major universities. And you see the stands. You hardly ever see any black students in the stands. You know, looking at Alabama and LSU, very few. At looking at the University of Washington, it's absolutely pathetic with the lack of black presence in the stands. So if uh, we, don't, we want these players, when they're recruiting – Ask them how many black students do they have at that university. We also need to have these students asking, we want 10% of the faculty administration at the University of Washington to be African descendants of United States slaves. We want 10% of the contracts uh, to go to companies that are owned by African descendants of United States slaves. You know, because we get into this minority thing, we come out at the bottom. Every disparity study that's been done shows that African descendants of United States slaves are the worst off. The other thing that people have to take into consideration is a lot of these other people of color, these other minorities, have access to offshore money. One of the wealthiest people in the the world is a Mexican that owns a cell phone company in Mexico. So, you know, we can't sit up and say, yeah, they're all people of color, they're all equal. That's, that's by no stretch. I think there are like seven banks in the international district. Yeah, and, that, and that's what gets me, too, and I'm, and I'm glad you said that. You know, from what I've read and what I've heard, they have what they call the Fibonacci factor. Anybody who studies economics understands it's a rubber band effect. It can only stretch so far. Well, everybody who's been on the front line, at least from where my observation for the most part, have been the African-Americans pushing the issue. Once that rubber band snaps back, every other group, based on the current legislation, gets, gets, every, gets the rewards first from our activities, and we end up in the end. The other thing we got to look at, too, is that – uh, like I mentioned, the 600 million Chinese watching uh, the NBA. Uh, I had proposed to Congresswoman Maxine Waters, and also last week we had uh, the Congressional Black Caucus Chair, Representative Karen Bass, on. And I had proposed to her, as well as Congressman Emanuel Cleaver and others from the Congressional Black Caucus, that we have a trade mission to China. Amen. With uh, NBA players, with NFL players, and including the NBA legends like Magic Johnson, Spencer Haywood. Uh, Michael Jordan and others, uh, and Lenny Wilkins, to go over and do a celebrity game, have a, a plane load of uh, African-American business owners and start doing some business <clears throat> and try to get joint ventures in black communities in this country. It's not going to come from anybody else. Everyone else is doing business with China. As a matter of fact, uh, the president's daughter is doing outstanding business with China right out of the White House. And you're going to talk about Bo Biden being on a board, and here you are, with 11 patents so far out of the White House. Jared Kushner and and, uh, Trump's daughter have made $82 million working out of the White House. But but what gets me is when I look at Representative Bass, for y'all who don't know, the subcommittee on AGOA, Africa Growth and Opportunity Act, she was the chair. And she uh, expanded legislation to improve trade relationships. Anybody out there knows when the Americans first got here, the white folks, they were trading with Europe. Then when the Asians came here, they traded with Asia. Black Americans have not traded with Africa, yet the resources are there. There's an opportunity that exists under AGOA, Africa Growth and Opportunity Act. 
There's some good money in, in trade. And we know the resources are in Africa, and we know we have the skill set here in the state. Well, uh, I had, like I said, I mentioned to some celebrity folks earlier about uh, the trade mission idea and investment from China and Japan and other parts of the world so we can uplift our communities and we can do that r- rather quickly. Uh, like all the soup, the, the, the bowl money, you know, that, that's being generated. Now that comes back to our community. And the fact that when you have this drop of students, of our students at the University of Washington, Amen. that's very troubling. Because somebody's making a decision to leave them out and to include other folks. Now, I know they got a huge uh, uh, foreign student population because they pay more money. But it's time for us to ask some questions. Are foreign students more important than the people who built this joint for free? They got four times more foreign students at the University of Washington than African-Americans. And that doesn't include. And you can cut that number down if you say the descendants of the United States enslaved Africans. That exactly. number would even drop. Exactly. We're talking about African descendants of the United States enslaved. Nothing against the Africans who just got here. Amen. But after 400 years, we're not going to allow you or anyone else to ignore our 400 years of servitude, dying for this country, built this country for free, and now it's time for us to step outside of this there country and bring some resources into the country. So anyway, before we go, I want to let you know that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by the Port of Seattle. Sound Transit Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the City of Sales Purchasing and Construction Services Office with Liz Alzer. We got to have Liz on pretty soon, Hayward. Okay. Concourse Concessions with David Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group LLC, the First Lieutenants Jerry Whitsett and Rod O'Neill, and Get Well Stephanie Ogle, who uh, does our technology with Soul Sys Media. And happy birthday, Eric, and we'll see happy you next birthday, week. Eric.